From the Fancy Lady Cowgirl headquarters, welcome to the Cowgirl Problems Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to everyone who embodies the cowgirl or cowboy spirit, regardless of what you wear or where you live. The guests on this show are a little fancy, a little ranchy, and they all have a kick-ass story to tell. I'm your host, Courtney Dehoff. Join me for the ride. Well, welcome back to the Cowgirl Problems podcast. I am so thrilled to have my next guest joining me all the way from sunny and warm Los Angeles today. He is a renowned sports photographer. Uh, He has photographed guys like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant for the NBA, uh, little old cowboys like J.B. Mooney for the PBR. And I am just really pumped because I want to be his friend and he seems like the coolest guy. So, Chris, I'll stop talking about you in the third person. Chris Elise joining me on the podcast. Bonjour. Bonjour. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for the introduction. That's, that's so nice. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like we are friends already. I want to be your friend, too. Don't worry about it. We're going to be friends. Oh, you heard it here first. We're friends now. Chris, exactly. I read a really lovely article for PBR.com. That's how I first mm-hmm. discovered you. And I read your story, and I thought, man, this is such a neat story. So I want to sort of start at the beginning. You, you know, you grew up in a small town in France and it was actually in France that you fell in love with the cowboy. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I grew up during the 70s. Uh, I was born in 1971 in a small, it's a small town for France. In fact, it's a medium town for France, but compared to America, it would be a small town. It's called Tours. It's 100,000 uh, people, maybe a little more now. Uh, and I grew up in this small town. And um, it happens like um, my grandfather, who didn't speak one word of English, was really... Um, uh, he loved American movies, especially love Western movies. And my grandparents were living like five minutes from where my my mother and I were living. So when I was a kid, every Tuesday evening, I was sleeping at my grandparents' place because on the Wednesday uh, morning, on the Wednesday in France, we didn't have um, uh, school until you were like 11 years old. There were no school on the Wednesday. So Tuesday was like my special evening, special night at my grandparents' place when I was spoiled with uh, great food, when I was spoiled with love, etc. And there was this, uh, back in the day, it was three TV channels. And on the third one, there was this special, uh, special um, uh, two movies every, every Tuesday, two American movies, and a, a lot of time, most of the time, Western movies. So I never missed the Western movies every Tuesday when I was growing up and uh, because my grandfather was loving them and I started really to love them. And that was actually my, my first introduction to, uh, to the United States of America, to America. It was the landscape, the cowboy, the cowboy hat, uh, the guns, uh, the riding. Yeah, it was my first, my first introduction and my first um, little window on America was uh, through the cowboy, through the through the all the mythology and all the images of uh, of the cowboy, and I I fall in love. I remember like dearly this night when uh, when I was seven years old, one of my uncle bought me like a cowboy outfit for Christmas. It's, I still have the uh, a, a picture of me in this cowboy outfit, and it's it was the best Christmas present I ever had, maybe to this day, to be honest. And uh, I was uh, laying down on the carpet in front of my grandparents and like uh, shooting at the TV with my with my plastic uh, my plastic uh, revolver, my plastic coat when I was a kid. So, 
at a as very young age, it was like these cowboys. That's that's all I want to look up to. That's all I would kind of want to be. But I, I was I was not thinking of being a cowboy for real because I was still a still a a, a kid growing up in France. Oh, I just smile the whole time you're talking. I'm just grinning. What a cool story. So, yeah. Chris, you did eventually make your way uh, over to America, to the United States um, as a photographer. So I want to talk a little bit about what was that transition like? Did you come over here originally to do photography? And how did you, how did you get into photography? Okay, so, so the thing is like growing up with a single mother uh, in the 70s, as I say, my grandparents were not far away. So I, I was really raised by my mother mostly. My father was around, but my parents uh, separated uh, when I was pretty young. Uh, and my father was kind of around, not too much. And he went back, he was from the West Indies, from a French island called Martinique. And he, he, he went back at some point to live in Martinique, in his homeland. And uh, so... For a long time, actually, I, I did my life. I, I, I was more and more fascinated by the United States of America. So I, I, I read, I was a nerd growing up as a, as a teenager. So I read a lot of books. So I read a lot of American literature. I, I did everything to understand more the country, uh, its history, etc. And uh, But for a long time, I didn't even think, I didn't dream of living in America. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even say it out loud for a long time. I think it was kind of a complex of, a, it's a too big of a dream for me. Let, let's remind ourselves like it was back in the day, no internet, so the world was not as open. Uh, no cable TV until I was out of high school or by last year of high school. So not, not much like this window, uh, all the generation nowadays, they have on the world, you know, the world is yeah, like, they can see stuff. You live in France, you see stuff in America all the time. You have the TV, you have the movie. Me, it was more not like this. For a long time, I was like, I didn't even think about going to America because it was like too big of a dream for me. So I did my life without any plan like this. And I became, I became actually a, a journalist and an IT journalist specialized in information security, software and hardware. So late mid-20s, late-20s, I started to travel in America as a journalist to uh, cover convention in uh, Las Vegas, in uh, San Francisco, uh, interviewing like uh, IT people from Sun Microsystem, IBM, Microsoft, Apple, uh, not Apple back in the day. It was corporate security. So that's why I, I, I traveled in the United States and it took me past my 30s. It took me like around 32 years old uh, I still remember the little story, like I was dating, it was my first date with, um, with a girlfriend and we were talking and I asked her, what is your dream? You know, so she talked about her, her, her dream, a dream. And she asked me back, I said, I knew Chris, what is your dream? And for the first time, I was 32, 31, 32 years old. For the first time I say out loud to someone, I say, uh, I actually would love to live in America for, for a few years. And the second I said it, there was like this little voice in my head was like, in my head was like, what? Who just said this? And actually, you know, I just formulated it. And for the first time, I like, yeah, why, why not, Chris? Why you shouldn't do this, you know? And I maybe had more confidence and the world was more open, you know, by the time I was 31, 32. So I put, I put in work, uh, I put a, in work a plan and a process to try to do it. So I quit my job pretty uh, pretty fast as an IT journalist. And I decided to pick up a camera because I was like, when I started to decide, I want, I want to do this. I always love America, I want to live in this country. 
So it was like, okay, there's no limit now, no limit, no ceiling. You need to do it. The sky is the limit to say, to say. And so I was like, if I'm going to do this, why not having the coolest job in the world? So I always love sport. I love baseball. I love, you know, I love basketball. I always love sport. And I was like, if I pick up a camera and I'm stop writing, it's going to be more easier because even if my English is not bad, it would be tough to compete with um, um, people, uh, American people, American journalists, American writer, because they master their, their own language much more like I will ever do it. It would take me years. So I say, let's drop the writing. Let's pick up the image. And so I can work in this country. And at the same time, my, there's no barrier language for me. Uh, and I can also do the coolest thing in the world. It's like uh, having first world ticket to first world seat to cover all this sport I, I, I love and I always wanted to see my entire life. So that's why I, I started the process, you know, and, I, and I'm, I trained myself as a photographer and I started to shoot the, the NBA mostly because the NBA sell really well uh, in, the, in France. And the idea was like to be a correspondent at first to be a correspondent for French media in the USA. So NBA was a, my best my best bet. And one thing after another, I, I, I spent the last 15 years covering, more, more than 15 years now covering sports. And the first seven years going, traveling back and forth between uh, the USA and France until uh, eight years ago, I finally moved for good for in, the, in the United States. Oh, that is so neat. And I love, that you mentioned you didn't really realize your dream until you were 31 or 32. So yeah, Chris, that's yeah. the exact age. I'm 31 right now. And yeah. I just love hearing from someone like you that like, it's never too late to just go no. after what yeah. you want. And oh gosh, this story is just so amazing. So you, you started, you know, primarily with the NBA. And I mean, yeah. you have photographed living legends, which is just so yeah. neat, but... I want to know how you got into the PBR. And I want to know a little bit um, about that story and about that journey, because you mentioned from an early age, you always loved the cowboy and the yeah. image of the American cowboy. So mm -hmm. talk to me about the professional bull riders. Okay, that's kind of simple, actually. You know, I, I moved eight years ago and I, and I get, my career as an NBA photographer was starting like to you know, to take off. That's what at some point I had to make. The, it was I was ready to make the move and, and to move here in the United States, and uh, and I get like you know more and more uh, opportunity. And uh, for the last three years, I'm actually represented by the NBA by NBA Entertainment, who sell my picture all over the world through Getty Image. So. At the same time, as yes, you're right. I always had this love for the cowboy. And uh, my first year in the United States was in Boston, Massachusetts. And then I moved to Los Angeles. And moving to Los Angeles was fantastic because I was finally in the landscape and in the background of all the Western movie I watched. You know, uh, I was in the West, in the, in the American West, which for me was totally like, like a dream come true. And uh, um, three years ago, actually, I was like, I was ready, and, you know, I was going, my career as an NBA photographer was going go, go, doing good. I was making good money, etc. And I was like, I need now to immerse myself in the Western culture. I need to know more, etc. And, uh, and I was like, okay, where should I start? So I, I travel a lot in the American West. We have a place with my wife in Montana. So I, I love to drive from Los Angeles to uh, Bozeman, Montana, and take pictures of the landscape. But I, want to, I wanted to do, do more. And actually, I knew about rodeo, 
But one time, uh, I saw a picture of a bull. And, and actually, I didn't really know. I, know. I knew everything about, I knew everything. I knew stuff about rodeo. I knew about Bronx, I, I, about hoping, etc. And I didn't really know, like, there were guys, there were cowboys who were riding bulls. So I saw this picture. I said, wow, that's a great picture. And the picture, it was just a picture of a bull after, after the rider was back from, from the bull. And the bull was like massive, this beautiful beast. And the second I say, I realized, I was like, there's cowboys who actually don't ride bronc, don't ride like wild horses, but they ride bulls. I was like, I need to do this. That's exactly what I need to do. I want to know more about this. I happened to be at the World Finals because I was, I was working on a project in Las Vegas like more than three years ago, four years ago now. I happened to be at the World, uh, PBR World Finals because I was in Las Vegas. So we finished with a production. I was on a production um, set. We finished early a day. I bought some tickets. I, I went to the PBR World Finals. And it, it, I was cold. So a few months later, like three months later, there was an event in Sioux Falls, South, South Dakota. And I was shooting the, the Denver Nuggets in Denver. And I contacted the PBR. And I was pretty um, honest. You know, I don't know anything about the sports. I, I never shoot anything about rodeo, about bull riding, about the Western culture. But this is who I am. I'm an experienced sports photographer. Uh, I love what I do, but I love for a long time to be involved in the Western culture and to know it and to meet people. And, you know, and I want, I want to do it also. I can get like your picture in photo agencies, like Getty Image, Associated Press, Reuters. I'm, I'm working for one, which is Icon Sports Wild, which is like a smallest one, but get like a lot of uh, uh, exposure all over the world. So I was like, this is, this is me. This is what I offer to you. Nothing but a guy who, who want to learn about the sport and then want to, I'm going to bring my skills to quote LeBron in a very humble way. I'm going to bring my talent and my skill to the PBR. And the PBR was like fantastic right away. They say, oh, no big deal. Yes, absolutely. We, we get you credential for this event. And I went to do this, uh, this event. I drove from Denver to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I did this, my first event in South Dakota. And I loved everything about it. Like everything, like for, and what I mean everything is like, it was, a, it was a, a shot, an immediate like shot of the Western culture. From the sports first and the photo I could do of these cowboys riding these boots, these magnificent beasts, beast, but the whole organization and I always praise, and it can be like uh, annoying to, to hear when you follow me a little, but I always praise the PBR organization and everybody from top to bottom and every people around the media people, the media PR people who work for them because that's a fantastic organization and a fantastic culture. And it started like this. And after this first event, it was like just a matter of finding the time to, to do it more and more. And in a way, the COVID situation um, allowed me to find this time because suddenly NBA shut down. Suddenly NBA, even when NBA was back last, uh, last August, they reduced the number of photographers get, getting credential for the game. So basically in the NBA, I haven't shot since March 10th last year. And uh, it's tough sometimes because I've been doing this for 15 years and I also love the game. But immediately I was like, okay, more opportunity to go, go back to PBL. Now I have like much more time because the last three years, until last year, I was doing PBR event as much as I can. I was going to the World Finals. I was going to Arizona when there was an event close by. But I had to shoot the, the NBA like from um, 
basically September, October to June, the NBA Finals. And then I have the NBA Summer League during July. So I couldn't find enough time to, as much time as I wanted to cover the PBR. But since it's COVID, it's like, it's kind of a blessing in a way, you know, that's kind of the positive I, 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 I got from the COVID situation. It's like, I can go through the PBR and my family, my boys, uh, we have one boy in college, but we still have one boy 17 years old in high school. And my wife was like, Please go, go on the road. You need to work. You need to uh, you need to do your magic, as my my wife always told me. And uh, and so so I've been I've been covering much more PBR the last year, like I ever been the previous two years. And I've been doing it for three years. And now I'm very I'm very hooked to the organization, to the sport. The more I do it, the more I really uh, I really love it. And uh, and I want to get more and more and more and more involved. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm sorry for the long, I'm, I'm, I talk too much. No, I love it. I think the things that I just, I really related to um, about your PBR story. I actually worked as on-air talent for the PBR starting last January. And much like you, I knew about the sport because I grew up sort of in that world, but I didn't know any of the people. And I loved what you shared with Justin Felisco um, when he interviewed you for PBR.com. You told him, you said, you know, I covered sports for seven years, you know, you covered the NBA for many, many years. And you said in all of those years, never a, a player never spoke to you. And you said the PBR was totally different. And the yeah. Cowboys befriended you and they start wanted to get to know you. And I thought, oh my gosh, I love that because it's so representative, not only of the PBR, but of the Cowboy culture. So talk a little bit about sort of that experience. What, who was the first Cowboy who, who reached out and was like, hey, what's up? It was Cody Nance, you know, and I always remember I was covering the PBR World Finals. It was not the last day, maybe the first or the second day. And I'm leaving the T-Mobile Arena in, in, in Las Vegas. And, uh, and uh, suddenly there's a guy like, you know, I heard the guy like, hey, hey, man. And, you know, at first I didn't know it was me. Then I, I, I looked to him and it was this cowboy coming to me and, say, and just saying, yeah, I've seen you shooting PBR before. I've seen you like tonight, like, where are you, you know? And he was just like, just wanted to know, he noticed me and he just wanted to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, know, to know who I am, who, who I was. And, uh, and I was so cool. To be completely honest, I have some, I have some NBA players who say I, but just what I told you in this, um, this um, profile on, on PBR, like in the number of years I cover NBA, in the number of games I do during the season, I can be in LA. I've been in LA for a long time covering the Clippers and the Lakers. There's actually, besides players I've been friendly to because they see me for years in different cities, there's still guys, they, they don't really, you know, they don't really uh, talk to you, like exchange with you. But mm-hmm. they, some of them do. But the thing with the PBI, I saw like Cowboys be much more like, they, are, they don't have this notion of themselves as, as stars, you know, and they don't have, they, they don't have big, I think, I guess they have ego because every athlete has ego, big egos, but they're still like really, they're still really like good men. And I'm not saying other athletes are good men. I think sometimes they can be, they can be stuck and lost in the star system, especially with a big league like the NBA, you know, NFL guys. I don't know. But there's nothing like this, like with PBR guys. And I was like really surprised, like this guy just saw me in a few events across America. And the night he saw me, for, it, I don't know, maybe it was my, I think it was my first PBR World Final. And the time he saw me for my first PBR World Final after night, he saw me outside the arena as he was leaving, you know, himself with his wife. And he was like, 
yeah, who is this guy? I want to know who is this guy. I've seen him and I've never seen him before until recently. So I want to know him. That's something which never happened in, in other leagues. And, uh, and the more, and the humility of this guy, well, like for me, like the most fantastic athlete in the world, they're doing something which is so amazing. They have so many, so much resilience. They face, they're actually facing very serious consequences if something goes wrong every time you, you, you step in the chute and you, and you ride a bull. And they keep like being, they are for me the most, the most badass athletes I ever seen, you know. And I saw, and I, I don't disrespect that other athlete or other sports, you know. It's always commitment in whatever sport you're doing. It's this guy who trains so hard and he will go through injuries, etc. But there's not like a lot of athletes who have the risk of, of dying, to be quite frank, uh, dying at every time they do the sport they do. And at the same time, this guy like so humble, so cool, so nice, you know. Even the young one who can, who can be like, look at Ezekiel Mitchell. Like he brings something really cool to the sport. He's like, he's young, he likes to dance. He has all this energy of young men. <laughs> but every time I talk to him, every time we have a little exchange, when I say hi to him, you can see the, the, the appreciation for anyone who support the sport, the fan, the photographer, the writer, you know, the video guy. Anyway, you can see the appreciation and the respect they have. They never forget this. And he goes up to J.B. Mooney. I remember the first time uh, it was during the World Finals, like, you know, happened like um, in the backstage, I would say, seeing J.B. Mooney. He said hi to me, like, in a really cool way. And, you know, I cover a lot of sports all over the world. Guys can see you, like, dozens of times. They see you, and I'm pretty uh, recognizable with my fro, and my I'm six one. I have a big fro. You, 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 you know, you see me before. You not like you don't have any doubt. Like who is this? Oh yes, no, you know this guy is a photographer because I've seen it. I, I recognize it. They just don't say hi, and you can say hi for me. Well, I, me, I say hi, but you know, I don't. You know, I don't bother them. And yeah, JB Mooney saw me one time, like backstage. It was the normal things to do between two men or two men, men and women. You know what I mean? Say hi to each other, and he say hi. And so there's something really, you, you get exactly, I can tell people, you get exactly what you see. This is not marketing. This is not like, I need to be this way because it present myself the right way. No, they are really good people. There's a lot of cowboy values and they live by them. And the cowboys live by them, the rider live by them, but everybody around for stock contractor, from the, the bullfighter, from Flint, from Matt, the announcer, all these guys, they live by this. So it, it's, it's, a, it's an everyday pleasure. I have just a last little story. I'm going to give you back the mic because I keep talking. <laughs> but <laughs> I have this little story, uh, the, 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 the little story about the fact like, I'm kind of, I have friends all across the organization and I've been doing things for three years. And I told you the first two years I was doing this as much as I can, but I couldn't be like every weekend all over America. And I make friends at every level of the organization. And I've been covering the NBA or the sports league. I compare to the NBA because I've been doing much more the NBA like for the last 15 years. But I've been doing other leagues. And maybe because it's too much a bigger organization, but I make actually real friends with, uh, I would say, two or three people in the NBA. And the funny thing, they happen to not working for the NBA anymore. One, one is working for an agent company. The other one uh, working for another company has been fired actually during the COVID crisis recently. But, you know, and, and uh, around, among the organization and during the team, you don't really make friends. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Is it different with the, the, the PBR? And that, that say a lot. That say a lot. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's just like me. I, um, we, you and I, I don't think our paths crossed at the PBR events that I worked, but no. I saw you were involved. And so I thought, oh, well, he's one of us. So I can just yeah. reach out and invite him onto my yeah. podcast. Um, yeah. And that's, I just love it. This is such a neat story. And, you know, um, I just think it's so cool that you are just really living this dream that started yeah. as a little boy in France. And I love how you said that you couldn't even dream it when you were little, like it never, no. it, it was such a big dream. You couldn't even imagine, yeah. you know, where you uh, would be. And, you know, in, I think in the article that I read, you mentioned the flyover states and you said the flyover states, that's America. You know, you yeah. live in one of the big cities like me, you live in LA, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we see LA and New York and all these places on the news, but what, what do you love about the flyover states? First of all, it's like me being a nerd when I was young, I, I, I wanted to know more about America. So I was trying to watch every movie I can watch, but I was reading two books. I was in American literature. That's a way to understand a, a country by, by, the, by uh, the culture. So I read, I read everything. And then I was, I'm a kind of an history. Uh, I'm a college history uh, graduate. So I love history for a long time. So I was also... so. I kind of like trying to to understand everything about about uh, America, and me being into history at a young age and going to uh, to um, get a college degree in history. I think like when you study history, you don't have like the the, the big mistake nowadays like to judge history based on our actual knowledge and our actual values, you know. Mm -hmm. And I never I never did this, and for a young age I never did this. So I knew like. Like and I knew like the the, the the darkest part of America back in the days. is the reasons maybe the racism, not maybe the racism, civil rights movement as a good stuff. But I was not judgmental. So for me, from the get go, I was glad I visited my first. The first city I landed in America was San Francisco. Been a lot of time in San Francisco as a journalist. Then Las Vegas. Uh, then uh, Orlando a lot. I visit New York, so, so I visit the big, biggest city. But from the beginning, I wanted to get on a, on, a, on a car and visit the rest of America because I was it was a complete understanding on my on my side on my part. Like this was not America. There was a big city in America, but at the same time, it's not difficult to understand actually when you kind of like not too, too stupid because in France you can go to Paris. It's a fantastic city. It's a Paris is not completely France. Mm -hmm. So if you want to really understand France, you need to go to some other place. You need to go to Normandy. You need to go to North. You need to go to Lille, which is uh, two hours with a high-speed train from, uh, from Paris in the North. You need to go to Tours, which is the middle of the Loire Valley. That's my hometown. You need to go to Bordeaux, and that's still big city. But go to Normandy. Go to little place in Normandy. Go to the South. When you go to the South, don't go only to Saint-Tropez, Marseille, or Aix-en-Provence, but go, go to the back country. And then you're gonna understand the country, understand the French. Paris is Paris, beautiful city. That's the capital of, of, of France. That's not completely France. That's one side of France. And usually the big city in every country, in my opinion, are not the real side of France. They are the most, they are one of the real side, side of, a, of a country. That's not the really face of a country. That's part of the country. So, from the get-go, I wanted to, to travel in the USA. And the thing is like, I, I, I don't like judgmental prick. 
<laughs> Sorry for my <laughs> language. So for the get-go, I could see, being the big city, I could see like people saying stuff. People who are living in the city, I could see them like saying stuff about the flyover state. So it makes me even more wanted to, 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 to travel there and to, and to go not like a tourist, but to go through this and, and, and to stay. There's a thing I love more, like to get on my car, get on the road to go to a PBR event, even if it's 21 hours. I went to, I went to Dallas for the World Finals from Santa Monica. I love to drive there. I love to do this kind of stuff. I drive uh, and I stay in motel. I stay in hotel. I go to diner. I go to place. I could go to a fancy restaurant in a place, etc. But I like to live the life people live wherever I, 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 I go. And that's the way, uh, that's the way I, you learn about a country. You know, if my understanding of, of the USA was Chicago when I spent a lot of time Boston and Los Angeles. That's an understanding of Boston, Chicago, and Los Angeles. That's not an understanding of what it takes to be an American. And in this country, which is a country about a lot of land, there's as much there's much more land in this city, in this country, than there's cities. So you need to go in land. In the, you need to go in the land. You need to see this landscape. You need to see this small town well, where people live and take care of the, the surrounding land. You need to, and that's what I love with the Western culture. Now I get to know some ranchers. I get to know the, the stock contractor people who actually are the essence of this country for me, especially since this country was not, they were like big city, like in the 19th century and 18th, etc. But it's a country of exploration. It's, a, it's a, American people are people are strong people and survivors and explorer who did this for a long time. That's what they made this country. So that's the, that's the people I want to see. And, um, and I love, I really love this country uh, for everything it is and everything it is, it's, it cannot be the East Coast and the West Coast. Everything it is, is from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the mountain to the sea. That's really what I love about this country. And, uh, and the more I grew up, I, I myself am a city boy, didn't learn how to hunt, didn't learn how to, to, to fish when I was young. But the more I grew up and the more I have time to do it, that's what I want to do. Is that was, that what I want to, that's where I want to live. With my wife, actually, we just bought a place in, uh, in Tennessee, in Lippers Fork, like 40 minutes from Nashville. And it's, we are near a village, and that's absolutely perfect. And we're going to move there next, week, next year after, after my own. Um, a younger boy finishes high school, and um, I'm going to live exactly what I want to live. And I love, I love my time in Los Angeles. A lot of things I don't like about Los Angeles, but I love, I loved my time here. But now I'm going to live where exactly I want to live, like and spending my time between uh, Lippers Forks, Tennessee, and Bozeman, Montana. And that's, for me at least, that's America. Mm, oh my goodness, that sounds like just a quintessential. Uh, life and story. So I actually, I lived in Nashville, so I spent some time in Leaper's Fork, such a cool little area. And um, Bozeman is amazing. I love Montana as well. And Chris, this is just, it's been so lovely. And I could talk to you for hours, but before I let you go, I want to get maybe not really a little off topic, but I have a little bit of a crush on her. And I think you really like her too, but you have a really cool wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't stop me on this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, that's okay. I live the American dream, and I really do. And when people say, "Ah, 
nothing like, I mean, it doesn't upset me, but it makes me smile when people say like, you know, American people can be hard on themselves. Some American people sometimes say, oh, the American dream, blah, blah, very, very hard and very negative about their own country. I mean, there's no other country in the world when you can have as much opportunities when, when you're an immigrant, I'm, I happen to be black. I never wanted to be like, look uh, upon or judge by the skin, my, my, my skin color, but I happen to be like that. There's no other country in the world when you can have much more opportunity. I'm living the American dream. I, I grew up mostly with a single mother, my grandparents are, are around, uh, not super poor, but definitely not even middle class, not like under. And uh, my mother didn't go to college. I went to college, etc. So I did a lot of stuff thanks to friends. I love my country. I didn't leave my country because I didn't like friends. I leave my country because I had the biggest, a bigger crush. I had the bigger love. It was the love for America. And I totally the American dream at every level of what I could do in my career. And on top of it, I met here my wife, Gigi Levenji. And uh, she's uh, she and I'm married up at every level. She had the brain, she had the body, she had she's gorgeous, she's funny. She happened to be a, a talented writer. She had wrote like more than seven novels, New York Times bestseller. She had wrote a script, movies, a movie Stepmom with Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon was written by her. And she's working on very ex- exciting uh, script right now. And uh, she's my part of an American dream, you know. And uh, She's, she's, she's really, really much more interested than me. And you, you need to have her on the podcast at some point. And the, fun, the little funny thing, I met, I, I, I sacrificed a lot by moving to another country. It's never easy. You know, I cannot, like, I cannot see my mother and my grandmother as much as I want. You know, I try, I go every once, uh, once every year, but I didn't go like since the COVID. I cannot go back. So I'm waiting for the opportunity. So you sacrifice a lot, but because I had this dream when, when I moved here, I was like, this is it. I want to leave this country forever. I want to be buried in this country. And I actually uh, asked for my US, US citizenship, which I should get like around May, June. It's just gonna be the best day in my life probably. And, uh, and I met my wife because she loves sports. She happened to have season ticket uh, with the Los Angeles Clippers. And she uh, saw me doing my job for months until we finally met. And uh, she kind of like feeling like she knew me before she met me because she observed me doing my job. She saw the the, the patient and uh, and how much I was uh, I love uh, I love what I was doing. And so this country on top of it gave me my wife, and she's really the love of my life. And she gave me like two I have two stepsons, but they're like my sons, they're like my own blood. So. It's it's everything, and uh, and I got a I got a woman I could not dream about having this woman, and you know, and you can say okay he's a loving husband and every husband says this, but seriously me in my life I could not dream. I'm like I was not the cool guy when I was in high school. Uh, I never could could get like a date. I had like maybe two girlfriends until age eighteen, and that's it. And they you know they break up with me after one month, very nicely. But I was not the cool guy. I was like the nerd. So they were like, "Are hey, we gonna stay friends, Chris?" And, you know, I was nice. They were kind to me, but I was I was not the hot dude you want to stay with. You know, and actually I get I get the woman now, which is like the hottest girl, and she's the smartest. You know, I get like the best the the, the best woman I could get. You know. Really marry her. I really marry her. Gigi Levenji, look up for, for her, look up for her writing, look up for a sense of humor, etc. She's she's a fantastic human being.
Oh my goodness. I would be, I, I have to get her on my podcast. I mean, I right. just, she sounds just like the coolest human, uh, you know, a New York times bestselling author. Of course you mentioned her movie Stepmom, just so yeah. cool. And Chris, I love that you share your story of, you, you know, did. having to give up a lot to come here. Um, my aunt is a Slovakian by birth. My uncle, a cowboy from Kansas, met her in Paris. She was a model. And like she said, oh man, fell in love with a cowboy. And she has lived over here ever since. But I know that it is hard. And, yeah. um, you know, you miss your you miss your homeland and you miss your family. And yeah. what a cool story. I am just so pleased that you took the time to come on the podcast today. I will not keep any more of your time, but I think we need to do it again at some point because I feel like you have, I feel like you are full of stories. Absolutely, with pleasure. We, we, we need to, and if you get my wife, the funny thing I want everybody to, to know, my wife is actually working on a script about a bull rider. And that's all I'm going to say. But, and this script is like, you know, it's tough. Hollywood is tough. It can take like years to get a movie done. But I, I want this, this script is magnificent. It's, it's beautiful. And, uh, and that's kind of the funny thing because she gets a, a producer contact her like maybe a few months after I started cover PBR with this story, not knowing I was covering PBR. So it's like everything kind of clicks. Sometimes like life is funny because I, she got this meeting with this producer and after I pick her up after the meeting and she told me, she said, you're never going to believe what is the story they want me to write. Said, <laughs> a bull rider. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you, you, you will ask her, but that's, that's kind of fantastic. I'm, uh, that's living the American dream. Everything like you, you put the work and, you know, and you fail sometime and you keep working and you keep putting the work and really nice things happening. Mm, beautiful. Chris, thank you so very much. Um, so I would guess I would, t I don't need to tell you to stay warm. I think you're actually warm. Safe travels um, on Thank your you. move. And I hope that someday we get to meet in person, all three Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. With pleasure. And thank you for the invitation. And I'm sorry for your listener because I talk so much. It might be, oh, my guy is this guy. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's no. Talking, he's talking. <laughs> you are so good. You are so okay. good. They're going to love it. Chris, thank, thank you, you so for much. joining the Calgary Problems Podcast. Thank you.